Hi, I'm your host, Lillian. And I'm your host, Fakri. And you are listening to Food Nonfiction. Hello again. So happy that you're here to listen to our second episode. Thank you. Last episode, we discussed the ins and outs of why eating insects makes sense. We also noted that 80% of the world eats insects, and it's the U.S., Canada, and Europe that don't. Yes, in fact, in Canada, you can't even sell insects as food for livestock. This is true now in 2015, but it's likely that these laws will change soon. But we'll talk more about that later. Yep, really interesting stuff. So this episode follows up with the next logical question: How should we eat insects? We previously touched on the idea that one of the issues with getting North Americans and Europeans to eat insects is what we like to call the ick factor. Some of the sources for our research suggested that one of the easiest ways to prevent people from feeling disgusted by the idea of eating an insect is to remove the most obvious bug features, like legs and wings. But for many people, that just doesn't go far enough. If it looks like a bug at all, some people will refuse to eat it. But what if it is ground into a powder? Okay, first let's speak with one of the companies leading the charge for incorporating insects into food in the U.S. We asked the founders of Six Foods to tell us their coming out story. So here is their story of trials and errors, successes and adventures. I'm Laura. I'm Rose. And we founded Six Foods. We make healthy, sustainable, and delicious foods with insects. First, we should probably tell you what our product is. So, our product is chirps. They're cricket chips, and they've got three times the protein and about forty percent less fat than your normal potato chip. A lot of people ask us, "How did you get into this?" Yeah, so we basically just started ordering insects to Rose's dorm room, cooking them up, trying to feed them to our friends, and as you can imagine, didn't go over super well. And so we had to figure out how do we actually put these into a form to get people excited about eating insects. How do we make eating insects cool? I mean, our our assumption was that people would not eat insects whole, but what if you know people surprised us? We ordered some live crickets, um, waxworms, mealworms, different types of insects um, to my dorm room, like Laura said, and we fried them up and tried to feed them to people. And I remember like very distinctively um, at my birthday party, she brought these fried crickets. Um, and she had them wrapped up, and my friends were all around, um, and I I knew what was in that box, but I don't think anyone else did. And so when I opened it up, like there it was, like whole fried insects, and people just freaked. This guy like fell out of his chair, and it was the most genuine response that we could have gotten to know right. like this is not gonna work. <laughs> Um, and and so then we tried other things. We we were like, okay, so obviously we can't people feed people fried crickets and whole, like what else can we do? And so we tried um, grinding them up into a meat. Right. So we have a story we like to tell. Uh, We had our very first pitch competition at the Harvard Innovation Lab, and we'd made mealworm tacos. And when you grind up mealworms, it looks pretty much like ground beef, tastes kind of like that. Anyway, so we put these mealworm tacos in the uh, iLab refrigerator, and we were the last to go. And so we came back like half an hour later to go get them. And we'd made about 50 tacos and there were only five of them left because people had eaten them, not knowing that they were insects in them and they'd loved them. We'd, we'd actually forgotten to label them. So it was this perfect social experiment. We realized that we were halfway there. You know, the, the taste was there. People were eating them. So we brought them to the judges and the judges were not so excited. 
No, I mean, basically the judges' reactions were like, yeah, okay, great. You had this awesome experiment where people ate your bugs, but like, I still know that they're bugs and I'm not going to eat them. Right, exactly. Um, which was disappointing because we were like, oh, because we had thought that we found the answer. Like, okay, this is it. Like, mm -hmm. people are going to eat ground meat. Um, and I mean, that the whole go-to-market strategy to that is a whole different story that we didn't think about. We just thought, oh, we found a product that people liked. Um, and then when it came down to it, it was just, that wasn't true. It was still too wet of an ingredient. It was too close to the insect. And so um, we had to go back to the drawing board. That's how we laid it on cricket flour, which is basically drying out the crickets and then um, milling it into like a powder. Um, so it's a dry ingredient. It's very shelf stable and it's so far removed from taste, look, feel, um, smell, anything related to the cricket that I think it's in a form that Americans can accept. That was the one thing that we learned is you can't just you kind of have to meet people where they are. And food is really emotional. So the way that we eat with like chicken nuggets, hot dogs, it's not in the original form. We don't eat a whole cow. Um, and so the same, using the same concepts, I think the same thing, we, we have to put crickets into a form that is more familiar to people um, and introduce it that way. So that's how we laid it on cricket flour. And I know that now, like when you look at the industry, it's like, oh, well, duh, everybody's mm -hmm. using cricket flour. But that wasn't the case when we started. When we started, there was really only one company out there, and even they were doing some sort of experimentation. So, and, and we were all just making the flour ourselves. Um, right. So it was something that was like very much like in your own kitchen, trying to figure it out. And um, it's funny that you know our experimentation has led to this whole industry of other people using cricket flour and not having to go through the same stages that we did. We use the entire cricket when we when we make cricket flour, which is awesome because it's zero waste. Um, and 80% of the cricket is digestible. So right. it's much higher than other forms of protein. Right. And so to, to translate that, basically a serving of our chips has more protein than an egg. So it's really high protein snack. Um, you know, we've gone out and done a ton of taste tests. And you'll see a video on our Kickstarter where we show people people's reactions to our chips. Um, but also, we actually were here in Massachusetts where there's this thing called the Massachusetts Innovation Nights. Um, and twice a year, they have a foodie night where there's 10 product launches. And then people vote with their mouths. So there's about, you know, a couple hundred people who vote for their favorite product depending on their the samplings. And we won first by, like, a milestone. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, I think that speaks for itself is that it's a good it's a good tasting product. Yeah, and going back a little bit to this fear, you know, I think I think chips are an interesting way to go because if you think about the grossest thing you can imagine, I usually think of something like fear factor and and ooey gooey worms. And so with chips you move as far away from that as possible. With chips you've got something crunchy, it's very accessible, it's America's favorite snack. And so I think that's helped people get over that ick factor. So making foods out of cricket flour is one way to incorporate insects into our foods in North America and Europe. When do you think that eating insects will become considered more normal in Canada, U.S., and Europe? I think that's a loaded question. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think it depends on the form at which you're talking right. about, right? So if you're talking about how long will it take cricket flour to be adopted and as a norm, I mean, it could be as soon as a couple of years. You don't right. know. Um, but when we're talking about the whole insects or like a burger made out of insects, I think that's, it's too soon to tell. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that is really different, so people make the comparison between, you know, insects and lobster and sushi as, as a way of introduction into the U.S. as a foreign food. 
And I think we live in a totally different time. It took lobster, they say 40 years. It took sushi,、yeah. they say 10 years. But for us, we're living in a time of just like rapid dissemination of information through the internet, right? And the fact that also, I think there's a huge emphasis on healthy trends, on、um, being a, a lot more sustainable because people are much more aware of how their food choices affect the world and, and themselves. And so I don't. You know, maybe we live in a bubble and we're blinded by our vision, but I don't think so. I think the、yeah. feedback that we're seeing when we're going to these, these food shows and looking at food companies that are more successful and even the big, big like Kellogg's of the world, what they're doing is everybody's looking towards natural, sustainable, healthy foods because that's where the world is headed. And when you're talking about truly healthy, Truly sustainable, and we're talking about like environmentally progressive, not just you know, we're using like biodegradable packaging. Like, crickets are or insects in general are like your answer. There's no question that there's anything really remotely close to it right now. Eating insects is starting to sound pretty good. So, where does one get insects to cook with? We actually order from farms that are entirely for human consumption at this point. So, farms started out、um, sectioning off an area, and now they make Entirely human grade crickets. Getting human grade insects might be possible in the US, but that's not the case in Canada. In Canada, people farming insects are not even allowed to sell their insects as chicken feed, if those chickens will then be sold on the market. Why? The answer is simple there isn't any regulation in place for this type of food in Canada. But it's clear that the insect food trend is more than just a passing fad in North America. It's a food source that makes sense. Catherine Redford, founder of Ovbug, believes this so strongly that she started a company breeding insects as an alternative soy free feed for livestock. Alongside an entomology lab at UBC, she is on the front line of pushing Canada towards regulating insects as a food source, not just for livestock, but also for humans. Yeah, I grew up on a broodmare farm, so we bred horses and、uh, was exposed to a lot of farm culture and farm food and that kind of thing. And、uh, feed, of course. I've always been, or I've always felt pretty connected to nature. And when I was working at a reptile refuge a couple years ago, I started breeding insects for the reptiles there. And I couldn't believe that they were so nutritious. And I thought it was such a valuable thing that we should be kind of using for something better. And turns out, People are. <laughs> so I started Ovbug in Connecticut. Basically, I was surrounded by a bunch of business students. So I was kind of inspired by them and thought, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it while I'm in this、uh, environment and get you know, all the help that I can. And I audited some classes and started、uh, breeding a lot of different insects. And landed on mealworms as the cleanest and easiest、uh, to do. And my initial plan was to feed them to humans and make some sort of, I don't know, patty or flour out of them. And、uh, that's getting popular now, but、uh, back then, this was, yeah, two, three years ago, people didn't respond well. <laughs> so I figured there was too much of a psychological barrier and kind of went back to the drawing board and thought, well, it was easy feeding it to reptiles. and... Chickens made sense. It wasn't really a far leap for me. So, would it be easy for you to switch over from breeding insects for chickens? 
over to breeding insects for human consumption? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the way I breed them, um, like we don't, there's no real food regulations to follow right now specifically for breeding insects, regardless of whether it's for humans or uh, livestock. So yeah, right now I'm, I'm following what I would consider food grade insect rearing methods in that it's very clean and they are fed uh, pre-consumer food waste that has, you know, been deemed human grade before it was used for, say, beer, because I use beer grains. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be difficult at all for me to make the switch should I want to do that, but I'm really focused on the feed industry right now. So basically for an insect to be considered human grade food, it should be fed foods that are also deemed human grade. So yeah, it's really interesting. Insects are, their nutritional profile can change depending on what you rear them on. So that's sort of what we're studying right now at UBC is um, what's the best to feed them what is there a combination like a magic combination of different food waste that we can prepare to make them more nutritious or can we select different food waste um, to have the them suitable for different animals or you know different purposes basically we're trying to optimize the breeding process um, making things go faster and uh, seeing where the insects do best at uh, with what humidity, what temperature, you know, it makes a big difference. We got uh, partnered with uh, Dr. Murray Eisman and Nancy Brard of UBC. So of Bug and uh, the Entomology and Toxicology Lab are working together to uh, get some really good results, hopefully. We asked Catherine what she feeds her insects and her response was pretty interesting. Beer grain to me is epic and probably going to be our standard like staple substrate so anything that we cut it with will either be to like play with the protein or um, iron or calcium and stuff like that and fat and health wise though it does need to be cut with something because it actually isn't because it's spent um, it's been leached of a lot of the nutrients especially the protein so we're seeing that it's actually pretty low this is something that we're trying to fix so the bugs they don't need a lot of water they don't need actual like fresh water um they just need a water source. So anything damp um, at all, really, they could use to draw water from. So I just use the vegetable stuff for that. Oh, okay. So like somewhere mm-hmm. for them to live on that keeps them like moist? Yeah, so it's just they, that's how they get their water, yeah. Can you explain to us the laws in Canada surrounding insects as a food source? So there are laws you can follow. You you can apply, for example, to be a novel feed ingredient or a novel food ingredient if you're looking to feed humans with insects. And those have standard benchmarks that you have to reach and checkpoints that you have to pass, then it's fine. But as, as far as like, yeah, insects being a regulated feed ingredient, they are not. And as far as insects being a regular food ingredient, they are not. But if insects were regulated as a food source, these would probably be the rules. Basically, if you can eat it, then the insects can eat it and you can eat the insect. With the insect, you have to be making it out of a commercial kitchen. So obviously it has to be inspected just like any other food. Okay, here's what I think you're here to learn. How do you breed insects? How do you farm insects for food? We asked Catherine. Basically, what we have are what I call breeding towers. And so they're big racks and um, they have permeable bottoms. So the beetles start on the permeable bottom rack. And after about two weeks of be- after they've come out of being a pupa, they start to lay. 
And so what they do is after they mate, the female lays, she deposits maybe 250 to 500, depending on temperature and stuff like that, eggs into the substrate and they burrow down and uh, deposit them at the bottom. So the permeable bottom, it works really well because the eggs will fall through onto the next layer. So that uh, goes to the next rack. And that's where the eggs stay until they obviously hatch and turn into little larvae. And that's what I call the nursery stage. So they are just kind of growing up and becoming healthy little snacks for animals. And so half of that goes to harvest and a lot of that goes to pupate, turn into beetles and start the process over again because we're still populating our facilities. Right now you're breeding mealworms. Are you considering breeding any other types of insects? I mean, all insects are so different. They need different things. They breed different ways. You'd have to have a very um, flexible and varied uh, factory in order to breed like multiple insects well, which I don't have. So right now I just want to make sure that I'm doing mealworms really well. And I just really like them because I like their nutritional profile. I think they fit well. I think they are the cleanest and easiest. Um, I know crickets breed faster and produce more, I guess, quicker, but I just don't like crickets. I don't know. So there you go. Straight from an insect farmer. That's how you breed insects. Again, that was Catherine Redford of Ofbug. So what happens once you get an insect home and you want to cook it? There is no better person to ask than the author of the Eat a Bug cookbook, David George Gordon. David George Gordon has cooked with all kinds of insects, from tarantulas to honeypot ants. We asked him about his recipe creation process. Does he start with an insect he wants to cook with, or does he start with a dish that he wants to make, and then choose the appropriate insect? You know, actually, I would have to say there was a little of of both directions going on. Um, First of all, when I wrote the cookbook, I kind of made a vow to myself that the insects in the recipes would be prominent. They wouldn't, it wouldn't be just a matter of throwing bugs into a green bean casserole and saying, now you have a bug green bean casserole. I wanted the bugs to be visible and I wanted them to not be buried in other flavors and sauces. So some of my recipes are quite simple. Uh, in some cases, I did come up with a title. I, I have to admit, some of them are bad puns, like pesto, for example. Then I had to think, well, what would I want to do with that recipe? But in many cases, what I did was I studied other cultures around the world and what they ate, kind of modified their own recipes, if you will, and created my own. So, for example, I have a recipe in there called Sky Prawns. It's actually uh, curried dragonflies in coconut milk. And it's actually modeled after a recipe from Indonesia where they do call these items sky prawns. So in these insect dishes, the taste of the actual insect depends on four things. One, developmental stage, adult or larvae. Two, what it just ate. Since an insect can take a few days to digest its food, you'll probably taste what it ate last. Three, what species is it? Some are really fatty, some are not fatty at all. Four, cooking method. You can cook them in any of the traditional methods of cooking. Drying, frying, boiling, or even eat them live. I have lots of different methods for cooking depending on what they are. Keep in mind that the 
insects themselves are small-bodied animals. It's not like we're cooking the Thanksgiving turkey where it takes all day to get everything done just right. Actually, you have a couple of minutes and you're pretty much done with them. So I like to uh, saute things. I like to deep fry them. Basically, I'll eat anything that's been deep fried. So what's not to like about that? Um, I'm currently making some Cambodian mole crickets wrapped in bacon, and I've spread those on a cookie sheet, and I'm baking them. Yeah, this guy is cool. He's so cool we asked him if he had any last words he wanted to share with you, our audience. Oh, absolutely. I think you should emphasize, first of all, the fact that 80% of the world's cultures eat some kind of bugs. And we're kind of the oddballs who don't eat bugs. We're in that 20% who don't. When we turn up our noses on this food source, we're kind of dissing 1.9 billion people, according to the UN, who are currently eating bugs. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that not only are cattle incredibly wasteful in the amount of food and water they take in to, uh, to use for meat, but they also produce greenhouse gases. They produce ammonium and, uh, and nitrous oxide, which actually enter the the atmosphere and create those greenhouse gas layers that are basically in part driving uh, climate change. Why aren't we just taking care of this ourselves? Why aren't we raising crickets in our backyard and, um, you know, making sure they're the healthy food source we want and then just going about the traditional cleaning process, which from my research said that basically you take some insects, you make sure you feed them some healthy grains or something that you would actually want your food source to be eating before you ingested it. And then you do that for a few days to make sure their systems have been cleaned. You freeze them and that's meant to be a more humane way of shutting down their nervous systems before you go through the process of actually cleaning them, which for many people includes removing the wings, the legs, um, the antenna, you know, all the things that make them look more bug-like. And then you can go about following your favorite recipe and uh, preparing your protein source. But the problem with that is we cannot safely get bugs out of our own backyard and the reason for that is we have no idea what sort of pesticides they've come in contact with uh, throughout the course of their life cycle so in order to avoid that issue you either need to find your own source of crickets some people rep recommend going to reptile stores and uh, purchasing crickets from them and then you start raising them in from uh, your home and you are able to ensure that they have not come in contact with pesticides. But at any rate, just going in your backyard and gathering up insects for dinner is not a good idea, despite how appealing it may or may not sound. So now you've heard where you can get insects as food, where you can't get insects as food, and you've also heard from a really well-known bug chef. We have a link to his website, in our show notes so you can check that out for insect recipes we're really interested in hearing back from you we will email you back we will say hi so email us at feedback at foodnonfiction.com next week we are going to cover the michelin star restaurant rating system you cannot miss this episode there is so much intrigue behind the michelin star rating system and it's got a really hilarious history Bye and listen in next week.